would, uh, open up your Bibles to page 959, those pew Bibles, or if you brought your own Bible, we are in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, and we're, we're going to be looking at verses 12 through 27. So page 959, 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. Last time we were together, we looked at how the church is the bride of Christ. Soon we're going to look at other metaphors, such as the temple and the flock and the family of Christ. And today we're going to look at the church being the body of Christ. Now, all of these metaphors speak of community. None of them speak of individualism. These are metaphors of togetherness. The Bible teaches that we are members one of another. And so if somebody says, I believe in Jesus, but I don't believe in the church, then I'm afraid they're showing their ignorance. Jesus and the church are not identical, but Jesus and the church are inseparable. Like a bride and a groom, a shepherd and his flock, and yes, a body and its head. So to, to say yes to Jesus and no to the church is to be ignorant of what Jesus really holds dear. So today, I challenge you and me to say yes, yes, yes to the church, the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, um, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into the body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would this be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the word of God. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. If you want to know God, if you want to know his will, if you want to know his way, then we must know his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are thankful for this word. It, in so many ways, rebukes how we tend to want to live as rugged individuals with Jesus um, in our hearts, but us not being united to his body. And so we need to be corrected where we need to be. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do this uh, with great zeal, but also gently and kindly. May we see how, how you have 
found great beauty and purpose for your body, the church. May we live united to your head and may this truth ring true to us as we study it this morning. Amen. Have you ever seen those posters in doctor's offices? You know, they have the whole human body with all the body parts listed and all the different systems within the body. Now, could you imagine going to a doctor's office and you see one of those posters in the room on the wall and it's missing its hands? And so you say, hey, doc, why does this poster of the human body not have any hands? And he replies, oh, you noticed. Well, hands really aren't that important. <laughs> You'd probably find a different doctor pretty soon. In our passage, the Apostle Paul employs a metaphor of the church being the body, the body of Christ. And he stresses that every part, each member of the body is vital. Paul is saying that if you're a Christian, then you are a part or a member of the body of Christ. And therefore, you are connected to, to the body. And as you are connected to the body of Christ, you are to value and esteem each and every other member even if they're different than you, even if they make your life miserable in some ways. The body of Christ is to be a unity of diversity with Christ as our head. Now, why do you think Paul had to teach the Corinthian church this important truth? Well, there's a couple of reasons. One, there was a group within the local church who thought that their spiritual gifts that God had given them were more valuable than the others. Those who spoke in tongues, uh, thought themselves to be more spiritual and more valuable to the body. And it's true, there's people in our church today who think themselves better and more knowledgeable. They got their theology right. They're good at pointing out what's wrong with the body. They think the church should be made up of people like them who agree with them. If only that were true, things would go along so much better, they think. But Paul says no. He says Christ loves his body, every member in his body. More than that, did you pick up on this? That the ones that people tend to look down on, Jesus actually esteems them more. The second reason Paul had to teach them and us just how important the body of Christ is is because many Christians, sadly, often don't feel that they have a part in the body. They feel as if they have no valuable use in the body. Or perhaps they feel like the body isn't all that important to belong to. Now, when you look at those reasons from our text and you add to them the reality of the church in America today, my gosh, in America today, where rugged individualism is the, is the core societal value, most Christians live independently of the church. They think, I've got Jesus in my heart, and that's all that matters. The Christian life is about me and my private devotionals. But Christians are not to pursue Christ independently, but rather interdependently. And listen, even those who check the box of regular church attendance can still live disconnected from the body. Just because you sit in a church building every Sunday for an hour doesn't mean that you're really connected to the body. Add to this, many Christians are consumers of church. They go to church to consume instead of being the church who lives for Christ. And so Paul challenges all of us this morning. See, you cannot get a more simpler statement than what we see at the very end of our passage in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. 
And if it was that simple, I wouldn't have to preach a sermon. My friends, when Jesus calls you to himself, he calls you into his body. And so, because we are the body of Christ, we are to live in great unity for his glory. That's what we're going to look at this morning, and we're going to do so under three headings. First, there is the beauty of the body, then the independence of the interdependence of the body, and the calling of the body. First, the beauty of the body of Christ. Here's the big idea. Though the church is maligned and persecuted by those outside and neglected and diminished by those inside, in God's eyes, the church is beautiful. How can this be? First, the church is God's idea. Look at verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. God chose to arrange each of us in his body. And then verse 13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. It's the work of the third person in the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who, who baptizes us into one body. If you're a Christian, how was it that you came to believe upon Christ? It was by a powerful work of the Holy Spirit upon you and in you. My friends, the church is not a man-made institution. When I first moved here to help plant Grace Church, I met with many different people in the community, mayors, people like that, um, and fellow ministers. One morning, I met with a Lutheran minister, and she said she admired my entrepreneurial spirit, but she cautioned me that the East End did not need another church. See, people already had their clubs that they belonged to and their groups, the Elks Club, the Lions Club, the local volunteer firehouse. They don't need a church. I was dumbfounded. I felt like shouting at the top of my lungs, you don't get it. It's the church, not the Elks Club, that is the body of Christ. The one organization that every human being on earth should long to belong to is the body of Christ. See, there is no life, no hope, no redemption apart from the body of Christ. The church is God's beautiful design for his people. The body of Christ is also beautiful because it's extremely diverse. Again, in verse 13, shows us that there's this one body, but it's composed of polar opposites. It's comprised of Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. My friends, culturally, you couldn't get a more further apart than the Jews and the Greeks. The worldview of the, of the Jews and the worldview of the Greeks conflicted in almost every matter, like oil and water. And the socioeconomic differences between slave or free were equally conflicting. Listen, the body of Christ is made up of people who, apart from Christ, have almost nothing in common. And more than that is the fact that, that we don't just have things in common that unite us. We all hold tightly to beliefs that readily cause conflict. And so listen, if we were to gather the smartest minds in the world, the experts in team building, maybe someone who's given a few TED Talks, um, if you were to ask them to create an organization that will forever change the world, never in a million years would they come up with the church. Uniformity. Not diversity would be your goal. But the church is God's design, his organization that will forever change the world. 
And just as the Godhead, Father, Son, and Spirit, is a unity of diversity, so too the church. We might not look like much from a worldly perspective, but from heaven's point of view, we're beautiful. We are one body with many members. How beautiful is that? But the beauty of the church is even more. Listen, the, the, the body of Christ is beautiful. Why? Because Christ is our head. How could it not be beautiful? We have the body, and the risen Lord Jesus is our head. Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. This is clearly seen in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. He says, And he, that's God, put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, as head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And then later in chapter 5, we read, Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Jesus told his disciples, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I will be in the midst of them. So the body of Christ is beautiful because Christ our Savior is our head, who alone can make us a unity of diversity. You know, this beauty of the church must challenge us. None of us are a part of the body because we're worthy of belonging. All of us came into the body of Christ the same way, each and every one of us, by God's grace, by the blood of Jesus our Savior. The one who cleansed you by his blood has brought you and you, and you, and me, into his body. What unifies us is the one spirit who has baptized us into one body. My friends, this is how Jesus sees himself. He is the head, we are his body. Now, do you delight in being the body of Christ? Do you see that we've all been baptized into one body, and therefore we all don't just belong to Christ, but we belong to each other? That's the beauty of the body. Now for the interdependence. The big idea here is that we're all different and we are all indispensable. The first section is verses 14 through 18, and this highlights how we're all different and that it's a good thing. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the, be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. You know, Paul points out what we all t- can sense uh, from time to time a sense of not belonging to the body. Hands are important, but I'm just a foot. Eyes are important, but I'm just an ear. Now, think about it. No one literally says that, right? No, no, nobody says that. But we say things like, I don't think there's anything in the church that I could do that would really make much of a difference. Or look at how she leads that Bible study with such knowledge. I could never do that. Listen, it's God's enemy who wants you to think this way. To think that we aren't important in the body of Christ. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever compared yourself to more mature Christians using their God-given gifts? You see them and you compare yourself to them and you feel a little bit inferior. 
Paul is correcting us. He is saying, stop looking at the hands and thinking, I'm just a lowly foot. Feet are part of the body. They have different functions. Feet don't do hand things very well. And guess what? Hands don't do feet things very well. My wife, Leslie, is really good at walking on her hands. Next time you see her, ask her to walk on her hands. She will laugh. She'll say, why do people keep asking me to do this? Um, But as good as she is at walking on her hands, she is much better off when she uses her feet to walk. So instead of looking at others in the body of Christ and feeling less useful, let us look at other members in the body and see how interdependent we all are. We all belong to the body. We all have a purpose. And the body functions best when we live interdependently. We also see that these different needs, different gifts need to be respected. So Paul addresses there's a different problem in the next section. Whereas we just looked at how people can feel like they themselves don't belong in the body, there's others in the body who feels like they themselves are the important ones and the others don't matter, right? You follow Paul's flow here? Verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Do you hear that? The ones that seem to be weaker, the ones that annoy you, the ones that frustrate you, perhaps the ones you have to keep reminding something of, they seem weaker. Maybe, they're not, maybe they don't remember, remember Scripture as easy as you. They are the indispensable ones. And on the parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the parts that lack it. My friends, when you understand what Paul is saying, you're going to love Jesus all the more. How could you not? Paul is saying that contrary to how most organizations discard the weak, Jesus instead honors those who appear to be lesser. In fact, Paul says the parts that seem to be weaker are actually indispensable. You cannot be the church without them. Those that seem less honorable are actually members of greater honor. You know, Ian Dupree has never led a Bible study here at Grace Church. He has never served as a Grace Camp counselor or played an instrument on our music team. He has never read a scripture passage from this lectern. He has never held the office of elder. And yet, Ian Dupree, who God chose to bestow with Down syndrome, is bestowed with greater honor in the body of Christ. I thought I could get through this. All right. The parts of the body that seem indispensable, the weaker ones that seem weaker are indispensable. Every week, Ian seeks me out after the worship service and gives me a big hug. He never makes a negative comment about the service or the sermon. He never points out how we should do things differently. He simply gives me a hug. And then he moves from pew to pew to gather up your used communion cups and discards them. 
And know this also, Ian is a man of great prayer. Great prayer. You probably don't know this. He is. I wish I had a portion of his faithfulness in prayer. If you were to ask Ian to pray for you, you would find out that he will pray for you every day for years and years. Now, think this through. One day when Jesus returns and restores this world, everything in it, and all who trust in him rise from the dead in glorious, God-given, resurrected bodies, the one I long most to see other than Jesus himself is Ian. Set free from all his earthly entanglements, made perfect in every way, And most likely, when Jesus says to Ian, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. Now I give you all this to steward for my glory for all eternity. You know what? I expect Ian to be given more responsibility in the new heavens and new earth than me. In fact, I hope to be a part of what God asked him to do. Maybe Ian would say, hey, Mark, how about we come up with a 10,000-year plan, because I'm a good planner, <laughs> for an art gallery or something. My friends, the gospel turns the world upside down. That is what Paul wants us to understand. We must stop looking at the church from a secular perspective. All the members of the body of Christ are vital to Christ, including you, including me. Listen, understand this. I know the church is messed up, full of people who, like, should know better, right? Well, you're one of them, okay? Jesus, when he left heaven, he, he already knew everyone he was going to die for. He knew all your sins. He knew all your pettiness. He knew it all. The amazing thing is he came despite of how messed up we are. And he took it upon his body, all of it, all of our sin, all of our shame. When you finally understand how sinful you were and still are, you come to realize how much Jesus must really love his body. And it should change how we look at each other. As the church, someone in the church sinned against you or offended you? I'm not surprised. <laughs> Neither is Jesus. Jesus knows this. He wants you to look to him and his cross and forgive that person. None of us deserve to be in the body of Christ. And check this out. Listen. The more connected to the body of Christ you are, the more, not less, others will offend you. And the more connected to the body of Christ you are, the more, not less, you will offend others. None of this surprises Jesus. Listen, this is actually his design. What? How? Why? Listen, see, the more you're connected to the body, the more, not less, you will find yourself needing to look to Jesus. Not connected to the body, you probably won't need to look to Jesus all that much. But when you're in the body, you will continually look to Christ. 
And that, my friends, is what he wants, and that is what we need. And it's only when we understand how great a debtor to grace we all are, and it's only as we look to Jesus, the body, that we can live out our calling. Oh, which, by the way, is our last point. The calling of the body of Christ. We have a calling to look to our head, our Lord, to find our life in him, to be led by him. And my friends, when we do this as a body, glorious things happen. What happens? There's unity, interdependence, kingdom advancement. Did you know that you can, maybe Nate Burns knows this, do you know that, that you can cut the head off a cockroach <laughs> and the headless body will move around for like up to six days? Ew, that's kind of gross, isn't it? Churches can be like that. How do you know when the church no longer lives with Christ as its head? Divisions. How do divisions happen? Someone in the body stops looking to Christ, the head, and starts wanting what they want. It could even be good things. Many churches have split over good things. But a good thing becomes a bad thing when getting your way fosters division. We see this in verse 25. Paul says that we have a, a, a calling for unity. He writes that there may be no divisions in the body. Simple as that. Remember Jesus' last night with his disciples? Remember his high priestly prayer? You can go read it in John 17. Remember what he prayed for out of all things? What did he pray for? He prayed that we would be one. We want our way, but Jesus wants us to be one. Listen, please lean in. Hear what I'm saying. Mature Christians are always yielding their preferences out of love for Christ and unity in the body. It's called meekness. Meekness isn't weakness. Meekness is strength under control. When, when, it lives, when it lives connected to Jesus, the head, the body becomes meek like Jesus. And listen, you can never be more like Jesus than when you give up your preferences. So we have a calling to unity, no divisions in the body. We also have a calling to interdependency. After saying there would be no division, Paul writes in verse 25 and 6, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. We have a calling towards this interdependency. We have a, the, the, to have the same care for one another. We are called to suffer alongside each other, even if this gets tiring. And when God does something honorable in the life of a brother and sister, we're all to rejoice. This can only be a reality when we live connected to Christ, our head. Jesus never played favorites. He never withheld care because someone just became a little too needy. He was patient with his own, and he constantly encouraged them. And so when we live with Jesus as our head, we, the body, reflect, reflect this grace. And since this is Jesus' design for us, for you, let me ask, will you commit to this interdependency 
Will you commit to looking together to Christ as our head? So the calling of the body of Christ is to unity, interdependency, and lastly, we have a calling. Our calling is to to advance Christ's kingdom. Remember when Jesus said to Peter and the other apostles that he was giving them the keys to the kingdom and the gates of hell shall not prevail against them. The kingdom's going to advance. My friends, when the body of Christ stops looking to Christ its head, we fail in this, our great calling, to see Long Island awaken to the glory of Jesus Christ, to spread everywhere in this perishing world the aroma of Christ. Grace Church, we must together continually be looking to Christ our head so that we may live out our calling to advance his kingdom. You know, this past summer, um, it seemed like the Olympics was on like 40 different channels at once, and I kind of found myself like tuning in to the rowing events, you know, like when there's four, eight people in these skinny little boats. I think they call it a crew or something. Anyway, Anyway, eight men or women pulling on oars, but there's someone in the boat who doesn't even have an oar. They're just sitting there. It looks like, what are you doing? How can you be any help? But that's the coxswain or the cox. And they, that person is the most important person in the boat. They sit facing all the other rowers. And he or she continually provides instructions throughout the race. Not just row, but turn, do this, do that. I don't know what all they do. Um, and the rowers look to the coxswain, not each other. And they listen to his voice. And when they do that, the boat moves smoothly and rapidly and on course towards its purpose. My friends, in the body of Christ, Jesus is our coxswain. He is our head. So, listen, Grace Church, can we do this? Let us first commit to being in the boat, (laughs) the body of Christ. Will you watch from the sidelines or will you be in the boat Let us commit to look together to Christ and follow his instructions. This morning we looked at the glorious truth that we are the body of Christ, his beautiful interdependent body with a great calling that is fulfilled when we look to Christ, our head. Perhaps you're familiar with the famous journalist Mike Royko. He won a Pulitzer Prize. He passed away in 1997, but he worked for both the Sun-Times in Chicago and the Chicago Tribune. Talk about oil and water. Um, Years ago, before his death, he wrote a Christmas column about an impoverished couple who went to a Christmas tree lot and could not afford the trees that were for sale. No, this wasn't in the Hamptons. Um, until they identified some scraggly ones that were kind of discarded in the corner of the lot, that ones that nobody wanted. And so they offered a couple of bucks, and, and they bought a couple of scraggly trees. The next day, the lot owner passed by the apartment, and he saw a big, beautiful Christmas tree in their window. <laughs> he was confused until he realized what they had done. They had taken the scraggly one with its bare side and the other scraggly one with its bare side and they wired them together until they became a beautiful tree to glorify the birth of their Savior. My friends, every single one of us here has bare sides, things that are scraggly and wrong, and we should confess them. But so God has calls fallen, sinful, weak, troubled people, and he puts us together 
in the church of Jesus Christ. And he says, I need you all there. I am binding you together. It is in your interdependence that you are becoming beautiful. As messed up as the church can be, Jesus loves his body. It's beautiful to him. And he longs for his people to come alive in the body. Listen, you will never become the person Christ would like to make you to be apart from belonging to his body. He desires us to live interdependently, caring for each other, each one using the gifts that God has given each one of us differently to build up his body. Everyone is necessary. We belong to Christ and we belong to one another. So let us unite together. Let us live out this grace together. Let us look towards Christ, our head, with love and delight. And then let us look towards Christ's body with love and delight. For we are one body and individually members of it. Let's pray. Father, from an earthly perspective, this, this looks like a... This, this looks like it's never going to happen. Um, but we know um, from a heavenly perspective, you're working out all things. Your word given to us um, is, a, is, a, is a beautiful reminder of who we are in Christ Jesus. We're not saved individually. We're, we're saved into the body. We're baptized into one body. May this church flourish on the east end as we row in one boat together, looking towards Jesus, our head, and accomplishing the things that he would have us to do, we pray. Amen.